When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No matter who you are, things in your life probably aren't going as expected, whatever that means. But the things you are doing right now, no matter what they are, that's your life. It's not a plan B. I'm your host, Madeline Mortensen, and you're listening to This Is Not A Backup Plan. Hello friends, welcome to episode 7 of This Is Not A Backup Plan. It's been a month since my podcast launched, and I am so grateful for all of you who have taken the time to listen, to share, to rate, and to review. It really does make a difference as I'm trying to connect other people with the interviews and the stories that I'm sharing on here. This week, my guest is Britt Larson, who is the founder of Livelihood, which is a community for women that work. I first heard Britt speak at the Aspire Her Conference, which is a business conference for women organized by Erin Wiest. And Britt was talking about your personal brand and what it means to develop a career that's authentic to you and to the values and the goals that you have. And she was so engaging and the things that she was saying made me so excited. Because here's the thing, since I didn't grow up imagining that I would work, I didn't really imagine what a dream job would be. And sometimes I feel a little bit overwhelmed because I think about my life and where it's going. And I think, is this my dream? Is this what I want to be doing? But in some ways, I also find it very liberating because I'm creating the career that matches who I am and that matches what I'm excited and what I value. And I don't feel like I have to look back to what I wanted before. I feel like I'm able to honor who I am right now. And all of us are going to have careers that look very interesting. All of us are going to have to work, whether it's for compensation or not. And the ways that we work throughout our life are going to evolve and change and evolve and change more than they may have for generations before us. So in this conversation, Britt and I talk a lot about how to create a career that fits you and fits your needs and your values and how to create a career that can grow and change as who you are grows and changes too. I'm so excited for you to hear from her. She is so much fun to listen to. She has a lot of good wisdom and hopefully it'll help encourage you and inspire you as you continue to figure out what work looks like for you in your life. My name is Britt Larson. I am an executive career coach and I created Livelihood, which is multiple things, but to tie it all up with a pretty ribbon, it's a community for women who work. And I started off my career in broadcast journalism and political science. I had a pretty clear picture of what I wanted to do after I graduated. School was not my strong suit. I'm very practical and pragmatic and I wanted to make money. I was so excited to make money. And that's where maybe I felt like I was different than a lot of the girls I grew up around. I was born and raised in Colorado around a lot of ambitious women. My mom 
owned her own business. But money wasn't really the focus for education. I, I have a very artistic family. And so as you know, that's often choosing passion over a paycheck. And I'm the youngest of four. And so I think by the time my parents got to me, there was a lot of discussion around, you need to be able to pay your bills. And that's just something that is natural to me. That is my natural inclination is to make money. That's how I am ambitious. And I realized uh, probably six to eight months of my first job that this was rare. It wasn't just rare in the LDS culture. It wasn't just rare based on where I was from. It's something that as a woman, I think that we could blame it on lots of things. The patriarchy, how we're raised, nature, nurture, all coming together. I asked for raises and I always got them. And my friends started to realize that and ask me for advice. And so as my career developed and I was doing political communications, public affairs work, I worked for a congressman. I was the youngest communications director on Capitol Hill for several years. I then worked for the governor of Florida doing the same kind of work. And then I moved into the private sector doing public affairs. And all this time, I'm the go-to person for my circle to have them you know, send me their resume and I would review it or prep them before an interview because I realized that a job interview was very similar to prepping my governor to go on TV. It was very similar tips that I would give them. And so I was a VP. I was an executive at a public affairs firm here in Salt Lake. I was married for a few years at this point. I'd been trying to start our family and was having a difficult time figuring out infertility wise what was going on. And I was so stressed out. And I had started livelihood at that point really as a hobby, as a fun little side thing to keep me passionate about my work because I'd started to plateau as far as that goes. But I love taking the skill set that I learned as a manager. I built large teams. I've hired close to 100 people. I love working with people. But it's hard as a manager, especially a middle manager, to really help people. I often would help people realize that their job that they wanted to do long-term was not within the walls of our company, so they'd quit. And this was usually legacy employees. And as you can imagine, my boss didn't love that I was helping everyone realize that their potential was not going to be fulfilled within the walls of our company. So I was always at odds with management. And I knew that about myself too. I'm very anti-authority. I think that is just, again, part of who I am. I'm overly confident. And so I've thought about working for myself, but I also really love the corporate world. I love the structure. I love the recognition. I love brainstorming and meeting people and getting outside of my bubble. And a lot of that comes from work and being exposed to different types of people. So I didn't want to go work for myself and work from my basement office. I decided to do that and then COVID happened. So I took the leap. I quit my job. I focused on IVF and building up my business. And it was so scary and not at all, you know, in the plan or the backup plan rather. And I've been doing it now for a a few years full time. And it was the perfect timing. You know, looking back, obviously I feel that way because six months into me doing this full time, So many people lost their jobs or, and this is amazing, they used COVID to really be introspective about their own goals and what they were doing. And 
quit their dead end job and go find a new opportunity. And I've been able to help them shape that new future and dream life along the way. And so I love what I do now. If I look back, it was all coming together. You know, I explained this bio. This is exactly where I thought I would be. And it's not at all. I have really struggled with having a very clear path of what I thought my life would be like. I thought I'd have a baby and take maternity leave and decide if I wanted to go back to work. I decided to quit my job before I was even close to being pregnant. So life happens. I got married in my late 20s and had a lot of people confused about maybe where my priorities were. And my entire goal with livelihood is to talk about your job fitting into your life. For hyper ambitious women like myself, we sometimes push aside these other goals that we have and we think we can't achieve career success if we do those other things. And I have to check myself and remind myself that I can't necessarily have it all, but I can have certain aspects of these things that I want at different times in my life. And then for people maybe that feel like they fell into what they're doing now, I want to remind you that you're still you and you have so much ahead of you. And it's so incredible that even though it was maybe your backup plan, uh, it's now your life now. And what a joy that can be. When I started Livelihood, no one was talking about how fun work could be. And I love making money and I love meeting people and everything I saw on social media. There's so many Instagram accounts to talk about how horrible work is. And it's true. Most of the time work is hard. But I just wanted to talk about how you could find joy in your job because it was just a part of your life. I have been so excited to talk to you because I just loved hearing you speak. And I love what you're saying about that, like making money is fun. That's been something that I like never expected in the past few years since I graduated college and have been working full time. How much satisfaction I have from like having a paycheck that I know will meet my needs that I hope there's growth in it. And I definitely have like other financial goals. But that was something that I had never considered growing up that I could go to a job that it might be challenging or might have things that weren't my favorite or might need to have transitions happen like for my health and for my well-being that taking home a paycheck and knowing that I can make money and I can support myself is really satisfying and really joyful it's really fun oh I love hearing that and that's the thing we don't talk enough about it we don't talk enough about how work can be so empowering for women and just knowing that it doesn't have to be the backup plan or just an option But if it could be the default, and then women can make whatever choices they want. You can decide to focus on different aspects of your life depending on the season of your life. But that is my hope is that the default is that we think about your specific skills and what you do and what you want to do and how you can put a roof over your head. And most of us have to work. Most people do. And I think making assumptions that women don't, it's really hurt women in the past. I agree. Any ideal that like presents an idea to girls that like they can maybe get throughout life without working is a huge disservice to them for so many reasons. And by working, I mean working for compensation because women are going to do a lot in their work. But presenting the idea that there won't be a need for them to have compensation, I think is really harmful. What I really want to chat about today, and it's very reflective of where I'm at, is 
I want to discuss, so when you're at a point where you've graduate, been graduated from college, whether that's for a year, maybe it's for a few more years than that, maybe you've had a job that you've liked or a job that was a good starting place, but you're starting to feel like maybe it's time for a transition, time for maybe finding a different job or maybe even pivoting a little bit from the industry or the field you're in to trying something new. I would love to hear what your thoughts are, what you tell people for where do you start when you're starting to feel like maybe it's time for a transition? I love this question because obviously most of my clients are ready for that, but they're lost. They're paralyzed. They are concerned. They're frustrated. The first thing I will say is pay attention to that voice the second that you hear it. I saw something today that basically just said, it's always your job to find a better job. And I really think that's the reality now. The Bureau of Labor Statistics put out a study in 2015, and I hope they renew it, but it showed that the ages of 18 to 52, that age bracket, so pretty much everyone just right before you know retirement age, the average job number was 12, 12 jobs. So if we know that that was true you know, several years ago, we can probably assume that those of us who are not anywhere near to retirement age, we're going to have probably 15 jobs. And the more that we normalize that, I think the less scary all of this will feel. One of the main things I tell my clients is that there's no such thing as a dream job. And what I mean by that is that you should not allow yourself to be paralyzed by this idea that there's a perfect job out there and that if you do X, Y, and Z, you'll get that job and you have to find that job and search for it. And it's like finding a needle in a haystack. And it's been amazing to see my clients when they shift their thinking to, there are so many possibilities. There are so many options. Right now is one of the best times ever to be looking for a job. And that could mean that you need more education or that you have a few gaps you need to fill before you get that ultimate job. You know, I was telling a client yesterday, I've been working with her for a while off and on. When we first started working together, she hadn't been in the workforce for a few years, was not raised to consider that working for compensation would be a helpful part of her life. And it's something she needs to do now. And so she's been working for about a year in a great job, but it's not where she wants to be long-term. And now that she's got her foot back in the door in the workforce, she's ready to find something new. And yet she doesn't really know what that looks like. She can't really picture it. And we've just slowly narrowed in on, okay, I want to work in HR and I want to do something with recruiting. So an exercise that I have people do that's twofold is if you're wondering if you could be uh, moved within departments and stay at your company, and that's something I think we often disregard, we think, oh, because I don't like my boss, I'm going to hate it at my company. Take the time to take your job description, the one that you were hired for, and if you can't find it, just write it. But that's something you should keep track of. This is what I was hired to do. And then I want you to rewrite it with what you actually do every day, what added responsibilities you now do because you've been there for five years or two months. It could have changed very quickly. And matching those things against each other will help you see I may just have a case to ask for a raise, and that may be the best plan of action right now. Or you could see, I'm doing something entirely different than I was hired to do. Maybe I want to do that somewhere else. Or if you just want to throw it out the window and say, I hate everything I'm doing and I need to start from scratch, I really like to pay attention to what's out there. I know like you and I could talk for hours about all the things you're good at, Maddie, and we could put together this beautiful resume. 
of all of your incredible experiences. But we don't know if anyone's going to hire you just because you tell a good story. But if we go out and see what jobs are out there and we look at what people are calling that skill set, you know, storytelling is something that content management jobs include, but they may call it something different depending on the company. And so I call it reverse engineering or reverse recruiting the job process. Go out and seek out job descriptions and companies that align with your values and what you want to do. And then figure out based on your qualifications and experience where the gaps are. So that may be an education gap. You may look at a job and say, I'm going to have to get a PhD in order to do that. So what steps do I need to take to make that happen? Or you may see, this is the kind of company that would pay for me to get my PMP certification. I work with a lot of people who move into project management and they maybe haven't ever project managed before, you know, in a traditional way, but all their skill sets align and they call it something a little different on their resume. So they look at that job description, they reword their resume, and it's all the same stuff. And then once they get hired, they get moved around into different departments and they end up loving what they do. So I think it really just starts with try as much as possible to not be paralyzed and frustrated by the fact that you're at a crossroads because that's just part of life. And I want to normalize that. We still ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow up instead of encouraging them just to be problem solvers and to figure out along the way what they're good at. And more and more companies are recognizing that if they hire for culture first and your personality and how you handle things and how you solve problems, then they'll find a fit for you along the way. And I think having that mentality ourselves is also very empowering. That's really helpful. And I really love that idea of looking at what's available and then seeing how you fit in because you might find jobs that you didn't realize that you have skills for, or it might help you get an idea of maybe ways in which you want to enhance your skills. I'm curious, where are the places that you look for these jobs? It's a great question. So I live on LinkedIn, obviously for my job. That's just something that I have to do. And I really like how it's laid out. I feel like it's the cleanest zip recruiter, glass door. There's tons of them. They just feel clunky. A a much more strategic approach is to start with the company. And for whatever reason, I'm seeing more and more of this. A lot of companies are only listing their job openings on their own website. And so you could be missing out on opportunities because you're looking on LinkedIn and only LinkedIn. So you kind of have to do a little bit of everything, even Google job search, where you just type in, you just put job at the end. So I will do this all the time, project manager, job, remote, and tons of options, which again can be maybe a little more overwhelming. But an exercise that I think is really helpful is to come up with 10 target companies. And that takes a lot of research, maybe Googling that you want a company that won some kind of best of place to work. Culture is really important to you. Or you could Google companies with best maternity and uh, paternity benefits, whatever that may be that's important to you. And lots of local news outlets will do, you know, top 20 places to work in the area. And I like starting with the company. That doesn't mean you're going to work for one of those 10 companies. But I've noticed with my clients, especially when they start to look at those companies, then their job search aligns with that. Their LinkedIn search starts to put out more jobs that look like what they want to do. And then signing up for job alerts for your specific industry. So there's tons of nonprofit boards, for example, and you can sign up for those alerts and you can get 
the emails. And I think those are smart, even if you love your job, especially if you love your job, just to keep your eye on what's out there. What makes me so sad is when people come to me and it almost feels like it's too late. They're so burnt out. They're so frustrated. It's really fun to help those people too, because the transformation, they start and they're just so frustrated. They have a difficult boss or they hate what they do, or they haven't been performing because they're so depressed. And then they start to see, oh, there are lots of options. What is so cool about today, though, is you can easily LinkedIn message anyone who works at any company. I had a client, and this is not what I told her to do, but it was so gutsy. And I think she just realized she had nothing to lose. She was an exec, so she's at a high level, wanting to leave a company she'd been at for 12 years. And she just started messaging on LinkedIn a bunch of CEOs at companies that she was intrigued by. She had looked at the news and had Googled some of these things that I mentioned, like top places to work in her industry. And three of them responded. Two of them gave her a job, an offer. And when she told me, I just started messaging CEOs. Of course, my you know, stomach flips, I'm thinking, oh, that's risky, but why not? So I think asking for educational interviews, maybe it's not with the CEO, but it's a recruiter that you find on LinkedIn and there's a company that you really align mission wise. Maybe they'll spend some time and talk to you and you're playing the long game there. That may not be something that works if you need a job tomorrow. So that's why I think keeping your eye on things, but there's so many options out there with the internet. When I graduated from college, I was doing a lot of the like sending a resume. I took my resume around, printed off around offices on Capitol Hill. I know it's hilarious to think about now, but I think it's one of the reasons why I got my job. I was an intern and I thought I need a job when I graduate. And it was a little risky. And we all see these headlines of people who send donuts with their resume and kind of these silly things that you do. But I think all in all, if you want something different, you're going to have to take risks and you're going to have to do something differently. So we have the world at our fingertips. And that's something that I think people could do more of. Find a job description that you love. And it may be at a company you can't work for. I have a friend who loves Disney and she finds job descriptions there all the time in their engineering department and sends it to me and says, oh, I wish I could move to California. It's just not in the cards for her. Lifestyle wise, she does not live there and will not move there and they need people on site. But what I told her was pull out the pieces of that job description that are most important to you and you can find something that works for you. And she got a new job about two months ago. And there are definitely elements of that kind of fun, people first culture and the creative side of engineering that she wasn't getting at her current job. And she's really happy. She doesn't work at Disney Studios or whatever like she wanted to, but she's got an amazing job. I love the idea of cultivating and being aware of what's out there, even if you are in a good position. I feel like especially where my background has been in news media and now I've switched to PR is I feel like in lots of companies, there's like a limited number of positions. When I was looking for newspaper jobs, there were a very limited number of people in their newsroom. And even in PR, it feels there's one or two people doing those roles. So those aren't roles that are being hired for in mass. And I feel like keeping an eye out is helpful because you're not quite sure when an opportunity that comes along that will be a good next move is going to come along. Absolutely. Yeah, there aren't that many newspaper jobs. But as you've seen, you've been able to take that same skill set and do a lot of those same things by opening your perspective and not feeling limited. And it's hard because a lot of these industries are dying and things are changing so fast. And 
most of the opportunities right now are in tech. And for some of us, that's hard because that may not be where we naturally are gifted or something that we're drawn to naturally. But yeah, I think staying focused on the company and the mission, and then maybe they'll find a place for you. That's especially true when you're a little further out from college and have a little more experience that people are more willing to hire you based on what they think you can do for the company and not just the skill set boxes that you check. That's really cool. Something you talked a little bit about was that as you're looking at these job descriptions, you might see gaps in like your skill set or gaps in your education. I think also when people are starting to feel the need to make a transition, higher education, more advanced degrees is a thought that always comes up. Should I get a master's degree? Should I go to law school? Should I do these things? I'd be really curious about your thoughts on what to consider. I've been working on a master's program right now and I'm really like glad I'm doing it. It's paid for by, it's mostly paid for by my work. So it's been a good fit. But I, based on my experience, I'm not sure that it's, I'm glad I didn't choose to stop working to go to grad school. I guess is what I'm saying. I'm really glad I didn't choose to do that. (laughs) And I have complex, I have more complex feelings about advanced degrees and how they fit in. I feel like sometimes how we talk about them maybe isn't as reflective of the reality and like what they can do for your career. So I'd love to know your thoughts on what to consider if you're feeling like, should I get an advanced degree? Is that what I should be shifting my energy to? I love your experience because it's going to perfectly illustrate the point that I'm going to make. You know, I have a friend right now, he and his wife are friends of mine, and they are going through this process right now where he's studying just nonstop for this education certificate as part of his engineering experience. And it's been crazy to watch what their family has had to sacrifice. We all know that higher education and any kind of advanced certification takes a lot of work. And I just want to shout from the rooftops, you should only do this if it's a situation like yours where you're getting subsidized by your employer to get more education or you're going to be making more money. And you have to remember that's my personal experience and that's the lens that I see things through. I just see so many attorneys, especially who go to law school because they're passionate about the legal world And then they just have astronomical debt and the salaries that they get on the other side make it really hard for them to help people in the way that they want to. My kind of personal view on the world is that, you know, if we tap into the great things about capitalism, we can all help each other more if we make money and other people rise along with us. So that's the lens that I see things through. I think the most important thing with deciding whatever you do next, whether that's the next job, deciding the long-term goal, whatever it may be, your focus should be, what am I going to get out of this experience? And that's true with the next job. I tell lots of people that sometimes you just need to get a bridge job. And it's not the job. I don't agree that there is the job or a dream job. And so I think the masters and the lure of that, whether it's an MBA Or like I said, going to law school, I think what happens a lot of times is that people get attracted by that because it feels like an answer for the meantime, but they don't understand how it fits into their long-term goals. I know lots of people who have, you know, advanced degrees in public administration or public health, and oftentimes the jobs they end up getting don't even require those degrees. And they've gone through all of that work and the debt associated, and they've had years where they didn't make money. And that's why you said exactly what you did. I'm glad that I didn't stop working. It's work to do it both at the same time. That's my ideal. 
on the flip side, I always have to add this. My husband has an MBA and he did a full-time program. So he was not working when we met and he was going to school full-time. And in a lot of ways, the kind of frustrating parts of this, I feel like he can associate with. I think he sometimes feels like, was that the right thing to do at that point in my career? I always remind him that we wouldn't have met if he wasn't in that program. And he jokes about that too. But the networking that he got out of it, which is hard to assign a dollar figure to now, but he wants to do real estate long-term and he's been able to tap into his network of now very successful individuals to build out this incredible side hustle of real estate and has a portfolio that he wouldn't have had otherwise. But his actual job hasn't really changed much. He does enjoy it a lot more than the job he had before. So I think the main thing is that it doesn't just feel like I'm getting a master's to get a master's, right? That you're doing it because it's going to lead you to what you want ultimately, and that you're not sacrificing your financial security in the meantime. And I don't disagree with going to debt for school. I had to take out student loans for my undergrad because my parents supported me a little, but not enough to get a degree without some debt. It was one of the reasons why I decided to work on the Hill because there's a debt forgiveness program for federal employees. And that was a really smart move for me for a few years to do that job and leave. And so it just really depends on your situation. But if you're getting a law degree, I just want to push people to think about how they're actually going to use it. And this is what I'll end on. Are there jobs that you can do that will check those boxes for you personally where you don't need that degree just to make sure that you're getting the degree for the right reasons? That makes a lot of sense. And I really appreciate that. Advanced degrees are just such an interesting situation. And I think obviously more of us are considering them right now because as education becomes more accessible, it feels like a pressure at least to have more and more education to feel like you have an edge. That's a great point. I joke that a bachelor's is like the new high school diploma. More and more people have one. Does it feel like it sets you apart? It can. And some industries are very set on that, especially the what I would say kind of the old school industries haven't changed a lot. Some kind of traditional businesses will really push their employees to get an MBA or they will say MBA preferred in their job. If they're looking for that and that's what you want to do, then go get an MBA. But do it because you see that's going to help you be more marketable. Don't just do it because you think it will be interesting. And that's where I think I can sound really anti-education. <laughs> like, stop, Brit. I have an aunt with a PhD. My dad has his master's. Several of my siblings have advanced degrees. And it just is interesting that the people that I see who are happiest with that situation did it very intentionally. And so I think that's my overall thought is that it can be amazing. I know lots of lawyers who love their jobs, but they did it very intentionally knowing this is what I'm going to use my degree for. And it paid off. Awesome. I've loved this conversation so much. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you'd want to add to this? So I try not to have any kind of interview or presentation where I don't mention my tagline, which is girls gossip, women work. I think it's especially prudent for your audience that if you've fallen into being ambitious, I call that kind of accidentally ambitious. And I think every woman is ambitious in her own unique way. I try really hard to make it clear that I think women are amazing. And that's why I want them to know that they have lots of options. And you may choose and I may choose 
to not focus on the career side of my life, but it's just one part of who I am, but it is definitely part of who I am. And that really is summed up in my cheesy little tagline of girls gossip, women work. What I mean by that, I think that oftentimes women fall back into our junior high tendencies of putting ourselves down and being insecure. And then maybe we judge other women's choices. And then it impacts our ability to make decisive, actionable choices for our own life. I hear this all the time with women. I've been thinking for 10 years about this business I want to start. Just start it. And it's easy for me to say because I've had those same problems, but I think the main reason I've been successful is because I just start and I've always started before I was ready. I launched Livelihood and it was so ugly. It looked like MySpace page and not a professional website. Just now, five, six years into this, it looks like how I envisioned it at the start. This is what I initially wanted, but I couldn't pay someone to to build what I wanted. And I didn't know how to talk about myself in a way that would help other people. And it's totally transformed. But if I had waited till now to start, I would have been behind. You know, I think about when I first launched Livelihood, there was nothing like this. And now there are just thousands of influencers and women talking about the pay gap and how to encourage people. And I love that. I love that I've been part of that wave and that things have changed. And just to tie it all together, the more that we focus on the results, the things that we're good at, the things that we bring to the table that are unique to us and our personalities, the more money we'll all make and the more joy we'll find in our jobs. So if people want to connect with you more and see more of the resources you have, where are the best places to find you on the internet? First and foremost, I just encourage you to go to my website. Livelihood has a funky spelling. It's my take on this idea that we have to work for the necessities of life. It's spelled L-I-V-L-Y-H-O-D, livelihood.com. And then you can also find me same name on Instagram. You can like me on Facebook. I do have a private Facebook group called the Livelihood Community Group. And I do have courses as well on my website. They're all very reasonable. They'd be perfect for your listeners because I really created them with that kind of 20-something girl right out of college or starting her second or third job who feels pretty lost. There's a lot of kind of discovery and helping you figure out how to ask for a raise and those things about professionalism that no one teaches you. I just wanted to make them really accessible. And like I said, they're very reasonably priced and I did it so that people had an option to work with me outside of one-on-one code, just to get access to that information. I give away tons of free info uh, all the time on my site, on my blog. So come say hello or add me on LinkedIn. I love when people do that too. Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much to Britt for her time. I'm excited to have you back next week when my guest Hannah Nickerson and I are going to talk about her experience earning a master's degree in Scotland. It's a really fun interview with some very, very cool travel stories. If you're liking what you're listening to, please rate and review and share. You can find this podcast on Instagram at not a backup plan, and you can find me on Twitter at Madeline K. If you want to support this work, the link for my Patreon is in the show notes. Have a great day and remember, this is your life. It's not a plan B.